Hey, welcome back to the True Pit Podcast Season 3. This is Episode 4. Um, it's going to be a little different today. Um, I've got my pal Matas here from the Aylesbury Alternative Music Society and we're going to have a chat, uh, a long, lovely chat about 2020 and some of the records that have come out this year. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself, bud? Hey guys, okay, it looks like uh, I'm back for my uh, second episode this year. Uh, (laughs) I mean, the the last one was was really good actually and uh, I don't think we'd... I mean, the, it was, what, April or something like that? So you know, this whole ago. lockdown coronavirus thing was, was a bit... Um, it was new, but we didn't think we'd still kind of be in this situation in this end of the year. I mean, it's, it's December now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time, um, which is why, I, you know, it's nice to have you back on the podcast, to be honest, man. It's great uh, to be back. I think last time it was more interviewing you as like a guest, whereas this time we actually kind of get to, you know, effectively like team up a bit and uh, chat about some of the fucking amazing records that have come out this year. In because heavy there have metal. been loads. There's, there's been a few, there's been a few. But uh, yeah, did you want to just quickly, if, if anyone hasn't um, heard the other episode before, did you want to just quickly say who you are and what you do? Okay, that's rough. Um, so basically, uh, in and around you know, Buckinghamshire and the surrounding area, I organise, uh, you know, gigs and, and shows and things. And, you know, about a, we actually uh, hit five years in October just gone, but obviously we haven't done anything this year because of, of Auntie Rona coming today. Um, but we've had a work of time with that, and that's actually how I know Harvey, because we did a show last year. Um, yeah. And actually, with the number of bands you've been in, I'm surprised we've not done a show before that. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> um, I, th- I, th- I think that's just down to maybe the circles I was in, or the promotion and stuff, um, gigging lots elsewhere. But yeah, I guess ne- never was a, like an like an Aylesbury band, I suppose. Um, yeah. But being, I guess, in the band I was in uh, last year, I suppose there's a bit more traction around them. Uh, so, but yeah, hopefully when gigs open back up, um, we can we can do something with my my band now, which is Ruiner. Um, yeah, which would be cool. But yeah, awesome. So yeah, okay. Should we should we delve into the top ten records or my personal top ten records of the year? Yeah, let's let's go for it. I've been uh, I've had your whole playlist on that I've been listening to for the past couple of weeks since we've been talking about it. Because even though I've heard most of this stuff before, obviously, because I like these bands too, um, it's different to kind of think about them in a sort of end of year top whatever list kind of context oh totally totally alright let's delve in okay so weighing in at number 10 of the records that have come out this year it's not a full LP um, but it's like a, I think it's like a 5 or 6 track EP um, yeah it's about that but it's got some fucking rages on it, and it's uh, the Built From War EP by Upon A Burning Body. What did you make of this? Okay, so Upon A Burning Body um, are a band that I have uh, like a very uh, inconsistent kind of relationship with because it, it sort of depends on, on the day of the week. Uh, and just because for me, they're, they're kind of like a, a Texican five-finger death punch. So okay. there'll be, and I'm also not like massively into deathcore, which to be fair, a lot of their more recent stuff, since straight from the barrio, um, hasn't really been. Um, so I think 
I, I don't know. It's kind of like they're they're a bit laddie for for my taste. Um, but every now and again, they are fun. I mean, I do think Straight from the Barrio is a really good album, uh, and I think this. I, I think I prefer this EP to the album Southern Hostility. Oh, actually, really? fair play, fair play. Um, uh, only in as much as that, I think it, I think it's catchier. I think it's got more swagger, and swagger really is the the thing of upon a burning body. Um, so you take a song like you know Five by Three, which um, it's I, I shouldn't I shouldn't like this song as much as I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like I, I think I think it's like because they're not. It's because they're not a very sophisticated band. It seems to me a bit much that they're like tackling the big social issue of people being on their phones too much. Um, but actually, it works and it's fun. And who am I to to say anything against that? Really, I think you touched on a very good point there. Um, like aside from like theme and stuff, uh, the band is fun. They are so much fun, and yeah. you know, I think. In kind of like the scene that, that I guess the scene that they're in, I think they tried to fit a certain mold definitely in the earlier days. I got really into them on um, The World Is My Enemy Now because I was like, okay, this is like, you know, Pantera, but um, with good production and less racism. So I guess it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, sick, right? So I followed them from there, straight from the barrio, Another fun record, totally different direction though. Um, the Southern Hostility thing came about and I was like, fuck, this is like, you know, this is this is really good. I really enjoyed that record. But when they started popping out these singles and eventually it became this, this EP, uh, Built From War, especially with songs like Five by Three, we'll touch on that later, but uh-huh. it, it's, it's pounding riffs, pounding drums. I think his vocals have never sounded this good. Like honestly, like some of the, some of those fucking high notes and screaming, it's just it's so good. And I just thought the EPs, I don't know, it's kind of like drinking music, you know. <laughs> it is, and the the thing that when it clicked for me that actually basically I do like upon a burning body at least sometimes um, is that his his vocals are incredibly clear despite the you know the growls and things you, you know what he's saying and I, I think that does um, mean a lot because the thing that stops a lot of people uh, from getting into yeah, heavy metal or heavier music of any sort really is is that screaming to them is inaccessible um, but then you know along comes a Danny Leal uh, and Ivan Moody and it's intense but you can hear what they're saying and I think that is the kind of thing that might get you know, younger people into heavier bands, so then eventually they do get into a, a Thy Art Is Murder, and should they be that way inclined, a Venom Prison as well. Yeah, which uh, is a very nice segue, I think, there, mate. Should we, should we jump on to number nine? By all means. Oh, lovely jumbly. So, speaking of which, all hail Venom Prison. Fuck me, did this record just absolutely blow my mind. I think I think you're on the same page with this one, right? Yeah, it's it's weird because uh, I, I I like Venom Prison, but it's it's like I think I like them more than I do, and I already do like them quite a lot. I mean, I'm I'm wearing the uh, the Venom Prison uh, long sleeve at the moment, and I was not sure whether or not I was even going to include this in my personal uh, top ten because it is obviously like mostly a re-recording of their first two EPs. However, this is clearly how they wanted those songs to sound. So yeah, 
Absolutely. And I, I think that was a smart move to do, especially this year. So you've got another full length. But, you know, we've... So one of the EPs, which is uh, available on, uh, like, streaming services and stuff, like I'd heard anywhere, like Babylon the Whore and stuff. But the fact that I got to hear the other EP now with that, like songs I haven't heard before, so it is new music to me. And the two new songs, um, Slayer of Holofernes or something. Yep. I don't know how you pronounce it, but... Um, yeah, this record, Primeval as a whole, I thought was a fucking very smart move this year. So, like, you're still writing new stuff, but you're still creating content. Like, not a single, but another, like, full album, you know? Plus, it does, like, serve as a whole new album, really, because there will be people who won't have heard those first two EPs, or maybe would have been turned off by them because, like, the, the production's, like, a little bit necro and stuff. But then you know, yeah. here comes 2020, and they've they have they haven't just like re-recorded these songs one for one. They've kind of a little bit kind of rewritten them, if you like, in a sense, so that they are like brand new songs. And I always have I have a bit of a hard time like choosing a favorite Venom Prison song, not because they have so many good songs, although they do, but because when I listen to their albums, I listen to them like all in one sitting kind of thing. So it's more of a kind of an experience as opposed to an individual track thing. I mean, on the last album, Samsara, songs like Uterine and Industrialization and, um, you know, Ashura's Realm, uh, you know, real standouts. Uh, but with Primeval, uh, I sort of listen to this more kind of all the way through, so I don't really know where, you know, one song ends and another begins. I mean, granted, you know, songs like Damon Vulgaris and Defy to the Will of God, which is one of the new ones, yeah. Real standouts, and then I think it's is it with Slayer of Holophonies for the first time they do like a really? little bit of a chorus, like a, yeah. a legit actual chorus. Yeah, I like with these, like, so she's screaming like she normally does, good old Larissa smashing it. Um, but then those layered kind of droney, like mid range, sort of floating over the top kind of thing, I thought it was really haunting, and I really fucking liked it. I thought it was a, you know, definitely a progression there. So I'm kind of, I, I mean, I've just seen on Instagram today that they're back in studio recording. Oh, yeah. So, and they said on their socials the Slayer of Holophonies. Holophonies. There we go. Slayer of Hol- Holophonies. That's going to fucking annoy me. <laughs> um, but um, that would be the kind of setting the tone for what's to come. Uh, that excites me a lot. For sure. I'm all for it. I mean, it kind of like the, the the sort of somewhat but not exactly clean vocal bit that she does in this sort of chorus of that song. Um, I mean, I was, I was saying this to you the, the other week that it kind of reminds me of. Um, I, I don't know how long have you been listening to Cattle Decapitation. Uh, I don't. If oh, I you don't. I, if I can, I think I came across something off their. Is it their album Atlas or something? Death Atlas, yeah. Death Atlas, and there was a track off that that I really enjoyed. Uh, well, that's an excellent album. What was it called? I'm just looking for it now. Was it Be Still Our Bleeding Hearts? I think it might have been Bring Back the Plague. Yeah. What? Yeah. Bring Back the Plague, that one. <laughs> yeah, Even that, if it threatens yourself. Yeah, no, but, this, <laughs> but this is what I was going to say, was that, um, you know, Counter Capitation have been around for like 20, 25 years at this point, and they've been churning out this really kind of 
gruesome kind of gore grind sort of thing. Um, but then in 2012, they came out with, um, was it 2012 or 2010, where they came out with the Monolith of Inhumanity, and then Travis Ryan, who's been doing all these sick gutturals for literally ever, comes <laughs> out with this sort of high kind of golem-like goblin-esque melodic unclean but it kind of makes sense sort of vocal that you hear on bring back the plague and when when travis ryan first does that that was a big moment in kind of 2010s metal history because it's it's such a weird and distinctive vocal thing and you kind of hear um tom from harbinger do it sometimes as well actually i mean he's not in the band anymore but when he was in the band he, he did that a fair amount and it was really good yeah, I mean. But then, so then, Larissa comes in with her kind of version of that, and it's it's authentically Venom Prison, but it's it, it's a little bit of like a oh hello that's oh that's new. It's like it's like when Sam Carter first did the blah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, but yeah, no, I I totally agree, and I think uh, with uh, death metal uh, in general is just a blanket term. I think it's important to have a bit of variety. Um, yeah. I know the fan base is very, uh, you know, restrictive and can be quite savage to bands when they kind of branch out a bit. Um, but I think they've done it. Venom Prison have done it in a way that is you know not discreet, but it's enough to sort of like raise an eyebrow um, in a good way. Uh, for yeah. sure but like when I was chatting to Tom um, about his new band Pulse um, and he was talking about like vocal stylings and stuff so it's a very different uh, genre to Harbinger I was like but you've got to do the pitch screams and he's just like yeah. well, what do you mean I said you're too good at it and it's it's distinctive you know it makes it different to um, the other bands because they're like with, with no discredit to that there are a lot of bands sounding like Pulse at the moment or like you know that loathe lotus eater kind of down tuned groovy whatnot but that's that's a completely di- different subject altogether but i think when you have a vocalist that can do that i think they should exercise it i mean and not just not just a vocalist as well but also like a front person which i know is near enough the same thing but i think uh, larissa stupa is one of the best front people um kind of in metal at the moment you know like even I mean I've seen them live once hopefully I'll see them um, again but just I, I, I can see her you know when when I'm listening to their albums if that makes sense like she's got like such a sort of reptilian viciousness almost about her that um, comes across exactly live as it does on album and I think that's that's excellent I, I can agree more I can agree more so that's fantastic Okay, so number eight is probably a bit controversial for some listeners, um, but I think it's fair to say that they're possibly one of the most diverse, massive rock slash metal slash pop slash whatever the fuck <laughs> bands in the the past ten years. Um, it's Bring Me the Horizon with their. Le- I'm I'm calling it a full length. I'm calling it now. I don't give a fuck. It's not an EP post-human survival horror <laughs> yeah i mean it's i think it's slightly longer than primeval so yeah album. it's I, I don't know it's like i'm not quite sure why they called it an ep i don't know just to be like cool i don't know <laughs> I, I i think it's a bit of um like a they can't like trying to cover up your mistakes thing because i was a bit i think at the end of or like in in last year at some point 
they released Ammo and were like, right, we're only going to be doing EPs from now on. And then they released that EP with a really long name that was like 75 minutes long. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that's not an EP. So now they're like, oh, I just got to call everything an EP now, even though On No Planet is 75 minutes or I think this album, which is about 40. That's that's not an EP. That's an album. That's an album. Exactly. <laughs> like, where do you draw the line on where something's an album? Like, is it by number of tracks or is it by length? Or maybe both. I'd, I, I wouldn't say by length because, for example, like Kublai Khan that released uh, um, Absolute last year, that's an album and that came in at 25 minutes long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, actually, because Slayer's Raining Blood is 26 minutes long. Right, exactly. I think it definitely depends on the amount of tracks. Like, I don't think it's a time thing, because if the music doesn't need long songs, then that's fine. But say if you've got, like, 15 songs but and they're all, like, two and a half minutes, that's that's decent for me, like, personally. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so post-human survival horror... Um, what did you make of this? Because I have mixed feelings. Mixed feelings on an album in your top eight? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because, again, much like similarly with um, Upon a Burning Body, my relationship with Bring Me the Horizon is super mixed uh, because I have been... I don't like listening to them because I've, I've never really been a fan of them. Um, but I've certainly heard of them since they first came up with, um, you know, Count Your Blessings and Suicide Season and all that sort of thing um, since I was at school. So my kind of time and experience with them does quite significantly predate Sempaternal. Um Me too, me too. Also good, also good. Um, I, I basically don't like Bring Me the Horizon. However, however... Um, I'd be lying if I said that Parasite Eve, Obey, Teardrops and Luton's weren't massive tunes that I'd love to hear live because, you know, when I'm when putting together, you know, um, my notes for this year because I always do my own kind of top this and that's of, of a given year um, you do have to think about, like if another band that I liked more came out with this song or that song would I like it, you know like when um, Architects came out a couple of weeks ago with... Um, with animals, I thought this is an okay song. But if Bring Me the Horizon came out with it, I'd be like, "This is bang average." Um, so <laughs> equally with a song like Parasite Eve or Ludens, I'm like, if I don't know, like a band I like more, like Avenged Sevenfold or something, came out with it, would I think this was great? And I think my answer is probably yes. So and it's it's the it's the most 2020 album of 2020 as well, for sure. And I think. I kind of get what you mean by that like and the reason I uh, you know track back just to say I have mixed feelings on this it is still my top eight right it's my it's my eighth favorite record of the year however I still have mixed feelings on it probably because of this reason um there are some fantastic songs on this like when I heard Dear Diary I couldn't stop smiling I was, I was like, this is the most ridiculous track I've heard them play, and I, I fucking love it. I think it's like Resident Evil themed. It's got a fucking Slayer guitar solo in the first minute. Ollie's, there's no fucking clean vocals. He tells a dog to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, you got it, haven't you? I was like, this, this is how you open a record. I was like, this is great. Um, yeah, couldn't stop smiling. So for reasons like that, that outweighs tracks like um, fucking One on One uh, with Nova Twins, which is a, it's a good track. It's just 
it's I think it's so formulated and I think Bring Me Horizon have a bad track record of sounding like other songs. And this one was I totally agree. A bit too Lincoln Parky for me, and that's like strike two on the Lincoln Park um uh checklist for Bring Me. Um uh, <laughs> so they yeah, got... I've been saying this for a while. Like, um the it's probably since uh probably since San Paternal, but definitely if not since um the one after that, the that's the spirit. They are a little bit like this generation's Linkin Park in terms of influence and in terms of variety. And, you know, that that is a bit of a blasphemous thing to say in our circles. Also, Linkin Park aren't even this generation's Linkin Park right now. And, uh, you know, things have moved on. In terms of... In, like, I'm not a fan of Bring Me The Horizon because they started out in, like, that first wave of Deathcore, which actually I don't think was kind of that good. Especially when you look at the band, bands like Whitechapel, Carnifex, and Die Art is Murder, who are around now, who are doing that thing significantly better in literally every way. Um, so <laughs> I've never really been a fan. However, in terms of experimentation, in terms of doing what the hell they want to do, that is excellent. And I wish more bands could do that. And I'm very pleased that a band, even if it's a band I'm not a fan of, can do that. I mean, remember, this is a band who in the last, what, two, three years have done collaborations with Grimes, Danny Filth, Halsey, Lotus Eater, Yonaka, Amy Lee, Youngblood, Baby Metal, and Nova Twins. I think that's. I wish volumes. other bands had that that range to, to do the thing they want. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I don't think you put that put that very well, to be honest, mate. Um, with with in terms of the uh, rather than the band aspects of it and the music side of things, like there were tracks on this, like you know, like that Baby Metal um, collab, Kingslayer. I was like, this again makes me smile. You know, because it's 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 creative, it's fun, it's genre infusing, uh, it, it's it's fun, and I think you know I think this year we've needed that, and I think um, for a fan base that is quite divided um, for Bring Me, I think they've kind of got something there for everyone. You know, I mean, I mean they do. Like when I first like again, I whenever they come out with a new song, I'm like, Bring Me the Horizon, but then I heard Parasite Eve, and I'm like, Who am I kidding? Of course, this is good, and Ludens was especially fun. I mean, just to sorry, just go back real quick to uh, One by One with Nova Twins. I love Nova Twins. I've been kind of really listening to them since early 2019, 2018, maybe. Um, so before they kind of hit it big this year with the album. Um, but when I saw Nova Twins, this quite small band, really, team me up with Bring Me the Horizon, who are one of the UK's biggest metal bands, whether or not we like it. That is great, and that is a great thing for a band to do. Because there's a quote that uh, that I really like that, unfortunately, Kevin Spacey gave, which is, it is the responsibility of the successful to send the lift back down after they've used it. Um, and that's what Bring Me have done with, with Nova Twins. I hope they do well. I mean, that song has 10 million listens on Spotify. And I, I think, I don't love the song, but I like that it happened. Because it sounds cool. Yeah. But it's it's very poppy and it's a bit whiny and Ollie, you're thirty something years old now, you know. Yeah, I mean, but these and, <laughs> and I think he knows that. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I I saw Never Twins in 2019 at some award ceremony. Well, um, the Heavy Music Awards, right? Yeah, I think it must have been it must have been that one. Yeah, um, it, it's it's not my thing. I think there's a there was a bit of a thing last year. With bands like that and uh, Wargasm that just does absolutely nothing for me. It's kind of like... Really? A, yeah. I, I thought think, you'd be into Wargasm. 
No, not even not even remotely. It it's kind of like a a fake punk thing for me. Um, I don't know. It's like a, a lot imagery based, and it, it just it just ticks all the wrong boxes for me. Um, I I like music that that in my opinion comes from a more a genuine place. Um, but what you're saying is they don't have riffs. Yeah, there's just there's just not enough blast beats, man. <laughs> but um, no, it's um you know I've I've met a few people um and yeah not impressed um either way so <laughs> right let's um let's move on to number seven shall we? Uh, we should do but just can we do a little just one more thing on the Bring of the Horizon? Of course, mate. How about they did a song with Amy Lee? That is cool. It's cool. It's sad. Um, and I, I was hoping it was going to be a, like a proper full-on track rather than something stripped down, but it was cool. It was cool. What did you think? Um, same, same sort of thing, really. Like, I think a lot of people have like a sort of slightly confusing view of Evanescence because of like mostly Bring Me to Life, which is a massive tune in terms of the sort of stadium-filling scope of it. Um, but that's never how Amy Lee wanted that song to be. So then, when it comes to the more kind of stripped-down stuff that she's been doing of late. This probably makes more sense in the context of that. And to be fair, like, how dare Ollie Sykes put his vocals up against Amy Lee and actually do quite well? Yeah, you know, fair play. I mean, as vocalists go, he is—he's really um, taken on board his new. I think he's just a man who knows what he can do. He knows his possibilities. He knows his capabilities, and he's not afraid to put it out there. So I think both of them together was really nice for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's. Um, yeah, if you want to move on to uh, the next record, that's all I've got to say about Bringing the Horizon. I have a mixed opinion of them, but I like that they're doing their thing more aggressively than really any other band at the moment. And they're getting more fans, even if they are quite controversial overall. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to put it, mate. Um, so at number seven, uh, a way less popular band, but definitely a band that's grown more popular this year because of this release, um, is Fit for a King with their album The Path. Um, I personally fucking love this record. Lyrically, it's really helped me this year. Um, it's very mental health orientated. Um, and it's just, just full of riffs. It's just it absolutely chocker with riffs. It is. Um, and I was, I was, this is actually one of the bands I was most um, intrigued to ask you about on this podcast. Um, because you're you're a you're a man decently experienced in in metalcore and sort of the associated satellite genres of that. Indeed. What is it about? I mean, it's, you said it's quite relatable in the mental health stuff, so I think that probably does actually answer my question. But I was going to ask, what is it about this band and this album? Because I think it sounds good, um, but I think it sounds like a lot of metalcore bands. Um, so it's just I, for, for me, I guess it's like a matter of choosing the one that does this thing best this year um, because they kind of remind me of a kind of while she sleeps kind of version of I Prevail uh, and I, I like and they're metalcore as well but they're a bit more like um, crying and more melodic whereas while she sleeps super interesting but mostly still keeping on that metallic hardcore kind of thing okay um, so, I mean, again, as with as with Bring Me the Horizon and with um, uh, uh, Upon a Burning Body, my relationship with Metalcore is, is weird because I think it's kind of one of the... It's very often one of the least adventurous subgenres 
of metal and consequently is the most popular. And most bands are quite good. They do the fist pumping, you know, arms in the air kind of metal sort of thing. Um, but I don't know if, like, they're that that different of a band. And maybe it's because bands like As I Lay Dying and Killswitch Engage cast such a huge shadow over this thing that is is difficult to really do very much different with it when those bands already exist. Be that as it may, it is good. The least I expect is for a band to produce a good album, and they did that. And I do think this sounds like a band who want to take themselves to the next level, like how Parkway Drive did um, with Reverence. Yeah. I think, I think you know, with, with uh, the term metalcore, um, I, I, I tried to avoid using it, to be honest, um, purely for that exact reason of, like, you know, some people that might not be as open-minded as you and I um, might have a perception of what metalcore is. Um, however, with this record, I think what stood out to me, because I was never a huge fan of Fifth for a King before this, I'd heard some of the stuff off Dark Skies, and I was like, these are cool tracks, um, the more melodic ones. Um, and I think when I heard the material on this record, it sounded like what I love about modern metal and the early 2000s metalcore. So when I yeah. heard um, uh, stuff like, you know, locked in my head, um, which is a tune. I, I really all do like I that heard one. was like as daylight dies, like kind of like the ballady ones, like you know, like end of heartache as well. Like I really heard the end of heartache kind of you know influence in that. And Ryan Kirby, the vocalist, has been very open about his love and uh, influence by Killswitch. And I think you know when I heard that, the the songwriting behind it. And I think it was the songwriting element of this record that did really push me towards that. But then you've got tracks like God of Fire that are an, in, an entirely new beast um, that is very, you know, modern metalcore, as you say. Um, however, it just, just goes. It's really, really fucking good. Um, I think that's why I just enjoyed it, to be honest. It really, you know, it brought back kind of that that feeling I get from the early 2000s, like when I was in school, to now and the love I have for some modern um, metal bands. I think it was a nice balance and it was uh, a bit, a, a lot of variety for me as well to uh, listen to. I mean, there is actually a lot to pick from there. Is As far as kind of albums this year go, especially when we've just been talking about Bring With Horizon, it is kind of a bit of a neat as much as you like uh, sort of deal. Um, in the, there's a lot there. I mean, you know, Annihilation sounds nothing like God of Fire, but they're the same band. And you didn't you you did a cover of God of Fire, didn't you, on a guitar thing? Yeah, I did do I did do a cover of God of Fire because I was like, I, I got to do this. This is this is great. So I went and borrowed my housemate's guitar because I don't have any guitars that are tuned that low. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a I lot of fun. I thought that wasn't your guitar. Yeah, it definitely wasn't my guitar. Um, I can't afford that shit, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> but um, with that cover, um, a band uh, called Death Blooms found me and... Um, yes! I Yeah, oh man, go on. They, they, they auditioned me and then, uh, yeah, basically wasted two to, uh, two to three weeks of my life to then just... <laughs> Just, just drop me. You, you were going to be in Death Blooms. Uh, yeah, I was going to be in Death Blooms, but um, they thought um, that wasn't a good fit um, over a comment on Facebook. 
Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's such a shame. Because, it's, it's um, a real shame. They're really good. They, they are good. They are good. They've got some uh, good tunes, and as modern metal goes, I think you know they uh, they do a good job. Um, but unfortunately, you know, I'm not. I'm, you know, I can't please everyone, and uh, that's fair. You know, uh, the one one of the guys in that was you know. Um, not keen on me. So, um, but yeah, that's a real shame. It is a real shame, but it's, uh, to be honest, mate, it's their loss. So, anyway. Yeah, and you've you've still got Ruiner. Um, I've always got Ruiner because uh, Ruiner always. is me, and yeah, I'm very much fucking looking forward to uh, popping this stuff out next year, mate. Don't you fucking worry. Um, oh, we are all for it. I mean, it's just a shame that really this year happened the way it did because I feel like you guys were off to a really strong start. Very you know, strong. your first show was at Facetown in February, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was massive. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. We managed to get in three gigs um, until March. We were about to have our first headline show um, in March on the 12th, and obviously lockdown came in, I think, on the 11th, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh well, but um, you know, that's what next year's for, so fingers crossed for that. But yeah. It's going to be good. It's but just a little bit more on the path, actually. Sure. Um, I I hear a lot of, like, other bands influencing their music, and, you know, if they proudly wear their influences on their sleeve, then that is uh, only a good thing. Like, I, I think Annihilation, for example, reminds me of Crushed by Parkway Drive, you know, and the whole album's got this kind of crunchy, odd guitar tone, and they have a great sense of melody, which is fantastic. But then you take a song like God of Fire which leans very strongly into that sort of kind of techy industrial kind of thing, which I think actually we'll talk a lot about when we talk about... We're talking about Code Orange later, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we're definitely talking about Code Orange. We're talking about Code Orange. (laughs) Um, And God of Fire has that kind of thing uh, going on, and it's it's such fun. I think it's the the only song on the album that's like that, Um, but it is a fun one. And then you look at a song like Vendetta, which is just... It's so pummeling, and... You know, in the year of of not doing any live shows at all, basically, it does kind of make you think about, hey, what would these songs sound like live? And Vendetta would be huge live with that. With that, this is my Vendetta crowd call. Yeah, yeah, I I can agree with you more. That track definitely does fucking stand out. I think the way it starts, I was like, oh, we're in for a treat, <laughs> and then and then it doesn't let up. It it really fucking doesn't. Just goes, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh yeah. Nice. Awesome. Okay, so um, at number six of my top ten albums of the year is Cannibal by Berry Tomorrow. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what you think of this one. Um, I love it. I I really, really love it. Um, But I think it definitely split the fan base. What do you reckon? I think Barry Tomorrow um, are pretty much among the UK's top kind of metal slash metalcore bands. They're not the biggest yet. In fact, they need to get significantly bigger if we want to talk about like you know arena tours or anything like that. But um, they're busy. They're hardworking. Their songs sound. I, th- I think a lot of their songs sound very similar, but all their songs sound very much like them rather than like another band. Um, and I, I mean, when did I first get listening to them? Uh, is their first album called A Union of Crowns? Is that the first one? Uh, that was um, the first, like, published properly one. The one before that was called Portraits. Okay, I think, yeah, I, 
because basically the first time I heard was Lionheart, and I'm like, yep, gimme. I mean, in <laughs> I, 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 I call them, uh, I call them a tray UK. Ah, um, <laughs> fucking love that. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I, I think they do serve a similar function to a tray, but I think they're actually a bit like a bit harder. Um, I think they've got a more um, they're less thrashy than a tray, but they've got like a greater um, sense of, of brutality and melody going together more more cleanly. Um, I think that every time they come out with an album, it's a big deal. You know, you see all the publications going going you know ham for it, and then along comes this album. And, you know, they're smashing out songs like Choke and Cannibal and Gods and Machines. And, oh, yes. And you go, well, of course these guys have got to be, have got to be big. Because they know how to do a big sounding song that's not afraid to be a bit chunky or be a bit actually brutal. They can do all those very deftly, very lively. And it's just quite good fun. Mate, I, I totally fucking agree with that. I think when they released... I mean, Choke was just like... I was like, this is oh, groovy, just heavy. That, that There was no sense of this being a radio hit. And I was like, love that, love that. But when they released Gods and Machines, I was like, this is... This is something special here. I was like, if this was released last year and they were able to tour with that song, that is, that is a fucking anthem right there. It was so good. Absolutely. Um, with tracks um, like Better Below, I was a bit disappointed by. I was just like not really vibing it too hard. It didn't really stand out to me, that one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no. Oh, it didn't stand out to you? No. No, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, I think the track Voice and Truth really connected with me. Um, I'm a big uh, promoter of justice, and uh, I think people that just talk utter shit all the time um it, i was just like this song this is the fucking one i was just like the lyrics just hit hard the song just fucking slaps and great chorus as well i was just like yeah love that so that was definitely one of my favorite tracks of the album but i think choke takes the the title for best track of that album for sure uh yeah i mean uh, was that was that the first single as well uh no the first single before they released any if before they said they were doing an album or anything was called the gray the you know the vixie track um yep. and uh then they did cannibal um uh, i think cannibal was the set yeah the first proper single for the album um i think so but i definitely think choke was either first or second um, it's a big old fucking chat, like us. I mean, choke, choke is a hell of a big boy tune. I mean, I've seen Bury Tomorrow. I want to say like two or three times, both of them or all three of them, um, at Slam Dunk Festival, uh, because they're there so frequently. But you know, you see the people with with the t-shirts and the the, the amount of you know just movement and enthusiasm for this band that there is in that crowd. You know, um, like in a few years' time, you can you could see a great sort of modern UK metal lineup looking something like Architects Buried Tomorrow and Loathe. You know, and and that would be excellent. Sure, yeah, I I agree with you there for, for sure. Um, is there anything else yeah. you'd like to chat about with this record? I feel like it's pretty pretty advertised of itself. It it does what it says on the tin. 
<laughs> you know, it's... Um, no, I've, I've really got nothing else to add to it because I think they're, they're a very consistent band. So everybody who listens to them already kind of knows what you're getting from them. Yeah. Um, and knowing that they're going to do it very well. Yeah, absolutely. Well put. Okay, so we are halfway through. <laughs> um, well done, listener. You have earned my respect. Um, nothing else. Um, well done for hanging with us so far. <laughs> um, uh, right, number five, What the Dead Men Say by Trivium. By the mighty, mighty Trivium. Um, I think we spoke about this briefly when last time you were on the podcast. If I'm, oh, we did. The album hadn't come out yet, so no, we were now talking we're about here the kind singles, of in the after. We? Oh, the aftermath. Here we go. The juicy stuff. What did you make of this? Mm-hmm. What did you make of this record? Um, controversial. I didn't love it, and I love Trivium. I've been a fan since Ascendancy. So what was that like 15, 16 years now? Yeah. Um, and I think I think all their albums are great. Um, I well, I think all of them are great apart from uh, this one and Silence in the Snow. Um, but but even then, Trivium doing an album that's less than their usual standard is still better than most other bands anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, I think you're right. <laughs> and you know the reason I think that I don't love this album. I mean, it's good. It's really good it's slick it's clear it's clean you know Matt Heafy sounds better than ever and uh, I forget the name of their drummer because they have so many but that guy's going going odd on this album Alex Ben um, yeah is it Alex Ben yeah yeah he's a, a great fit for Trivium I mean they're a band who choose their members incredibly well actually you know because They've gone through numerous drummers, I think a couple of bassists, and even actually a couple of guitarists that that, uh, that aren't there. And whatever they come out with, it's still really good because I feel Matt Heafy is actually like a little bit of a visionary when it comes to doing this thing for his band, and he's become an incredibly successful streamer this year as well. So, Oh, yeah, he's, he's definitely thrived this year. I think that's probably why they felt quite safe to release this early pandemic, to be honest. Um, yeah, uh, I, th- I I agree with you um, on some aspects. It, the whole record to me kind of felt like um, a, a slightly diluted version of the sin in the sentence. Um, and this this is exactly it. I think the sin in the sentence is is as good, if not at least somewhere up there with Shogun. Yeah, uh, I mean the sin in the sentence is my favorite Trivium album. Um, saying that I think what I want from Trivium is what not a lot of the fan base want I adore Silence in the Snow like that that record to me it, I, I love it um, so when I heard this okay. in the sentence I think they took a lot of the elements from what they were trying to do with Silence in the Snow and then incorporated a lot more of the uh, you know the, the metal uh, side of things I think with this record it's just a continuation they have not changed their styles remotely from the last album, in my opinion, it's 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 in exactly the same bracket. Um, I think the singles were cool, and um, the title track's definitely my favourite of the record. Um, I think there's some really interesting melodies and choruses. I think why it's my fifth favourite record of the year is the instrumental side of things, um, mm, for sure. Yep. Uh, Alex Ben is. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The the best thing to happen to Trivium in a fucking long time. Um, and 
yeah, I think his performance on this is fantastic. I think Corey and Matt's guitars are just... Like, the fact that this guy is singing... Like, both of them are doing vocals, but, like, the fact that this guy's singing, like, you know, accurately as he does, and this powerful... And that he's a great singer as well. Like, yeah, as you said earlier, like, his performance on this is outstanding. Like, it's... uh, Especially on that track, Catastrophe. He's really belting that out. I really felt that when he was singing it. But all the other shit Uh, that he's doing at the same time while doing that, that's, that's nuts to me, man. That's nuts. And I think... Also, after this sort of record came out, there was a lot of um, thing, as as you were uh, very good to do, um, protests about the, you know, injustice and uh, all that was happening in America and then obviously in the UK. Um, there's a track on this called The Defiant that does touch on that, that subject, um, which shows just the sheer maturity of this band. And uh, I, th- I think it's a very lyrically interesting record. I'm not overly keen on, you know, there's not really anything that really s- slaps me in the face. Um, apart from maybe the track Amongst the Shadows and the Stones, that was pretty full on. That was pretty blasting. I mean, remember when that first came out? As the, like, the, that was the first, like, odd single of the album. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, that, that <laughs> hits like a sledgehammer, you know? It does, it does. It's uh, it's a fucking great track, man. It's it's so good. I think the track "Bleeding" to me is uh, possibly the least favorite thing I've heard from them. Uh, you know, that's the one about his dog dying. Is it? Yeah, his dog died or something. Uh, no, yeah. that's sickness unto you. Sorry. Um, oh, sickness unto you. Yeah, 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 that's that me. one. What's Ble- that? Bleeding to me. They've got like a music video cut. It's like a a video game music video kind of thing. I just I don't know. It just felt a I've bit. Seen that one felt a bit filler I, i'm a bit shocked it was a single i think tracks like sickness unto you are really strong um and yeah that's sca- one about his dog yeah yeah bless earth uh, his, he had a diabetic dog and passed away so it was quite sad really um i do follow him on social media so i, I do keep up to to date yeah. with his life i'm quite invested in matt heafy's life i've just realized <laughs> I mean, we know what he eats, we know what he streams, we know what gigs they're doing. I mean, I think Trivium, despite going around with an album, I don't think he's great, but it still is quite good. And, you know, again, the the music is tight as hell. I mean, I've seen Trivium live three times. I've listened to all their albums on the day they came out, if I haven't actually bought them. Um, and one of the tightest bands going. Oh. And I think one of the... I think... They, they are very much a leader in sort of kind of 2000s metal, you know, because they've gone from doing sort of early 2000s metalcore to being not a progr- not like a prog band, but having certain elements of progressiveness in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I do think they are very good at incorporating different styles, and I think they've done that as they've gotten older, if I'm completely honest. Um, yeah. I think we forget sometimes, like when people go, you know, oh no, Ascendancy's the one, like that's the, that's their best thing that they'll, they'll ever do. Um, I probably just don't connect to it as much as most of the fan base do because I think we forget how young they were when they recorded that. It's yeah. it's it's very you know, uh, it's, it's it's metal. Like don't get me wrong, but I think what I hear and what I get out of Trivium, um, I definitely got in the the last three albums for sure. Um, 
I think, you know, In Waves was where it really, you know, got me. I did buy Shogun as a kid. I do, I'd still have the CD of that. Um, and I liked a lot of the tracks on that. I think I really liked sonically how it sounded. Um, but In Waves, that record for me was where I was like, fuck, <laughs> like this, this, this band's gonna, you know, then go a step further. And they did. And that band, that, that album did launch them into, you know, arena size stuff. Um, I mean, it really did. I mean, that's the one with obviously in waves on it, but also built to fall, if I remember correctly. Yeah, built to fall. Um, yeah, dust dismantled. Is... Like, there's some black metal tracks on that fucking album, man. I'm like, what the fuck? And I think the more they've incorporated that like kind of variety into like interwoven into songs, like it's it's incredible. And I think that's that's definitely why it still hits for me, even if I know that I'm not overly, like, I won't go back and listen to the album as much. I, I stand by this being my top five uh, for this year, for sure. I mean, I, I think it's a very fair entry. I mean, you know, if you're saying that they've not um, changed the formula that much from the sound of the sentence, then you are talking about a great album. You know, like, the sound of the sentence was the year it came out, I think, in my, I mean, definitely in my top ten, you know? Um, and I think, you know, when, when listening to kind of uh, these these albums that we've discussed um, in the context of like the greatest song, uh, albums of the year, um, the the kind of thing I, I I want from from metal metalcore bands like Fit for a King and that sort of thing is this kind of thing that Trivium and actually a bit later um, Kill the Lights are doing, where it's that sort of leaning a bit into the traditional metal thing, but it's it's very modern and it's a little bit progressive it's still really intense and it's still very heavy you know this isn't your this isn't your granddad's heavy metal band <laughs> yeah but just just that maturity i think that's probably one of the things that like turns me off a little bit about bring me the horizon that ollie sykes is probably about the same age as matt heavey but matt heavey's talking about like themes you know yeah I, th- I think there's a little bit of age difference between them but not not by a lot um but yeah, I I think you're right. There is a there. I can't get my words out. There is a distinction there. Professional podcast host. Uh, <laughs> nice, um, awesome. Okay, I think I think that's pretty much covered all we need to say on uh, what the dead men say, right? I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Okay, we are now within the the top five. We've said number five, which is Trivium, what the Dead Men say. Number four is possibly one of the most important releases in this top ten list, which is Underneath by Code Orange. I would normally say the hardcore band Code Orange, but I'm not sure that's applicable anymore. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> They're in another uh, fucking realm I mean, right now. What what an album this is. Yeah, you know, like it's it's so good that when it um, first came out in full, which I think was in March, that first listen, you're like, ah, oh, I'm listening to something special. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, that completely that agree. for me is like when Thyra's Murder first came out with Hate. You're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> you know, just like, oh man, like this was. This was a this was a big one for me because I I struggled with Code Orange when they first came about the hype train. Um, I was like, uh, I think this is a bit too um, 
a bit too mix matchy for me you know like but then the more I listened to Forever the more I understood it um, I had to live with it a bit more and after Forever they released the title track from this record underneath which sounded quite grungy quite you know like 90s and I was just like okay right they're going in a more maybe commercial direction um, but to then <laughs> to then release Swallowing the Rabbit Hole <laughs> what the fuck which is good imagine Swallowing the Rabbit Hole live holy fuck <laughs> like this song uh, we'll, 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 I mean, the, we'll touch on that later because 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 that's in that's in my top five songs of the year. But yeah, when that came in, I was like, right, that's going in my DJ set, and you know, fucking, I loved playing that on my DJ sets because during the song, people would just look at me just like, what are you playing? <laughs> like, mm. what, what is this? Um, to then, it's 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 such a busy uh, tune, but also just to expand the scope for it. it's such a busy album and it's because I, I remember thinking also that when underneath the song came out i was like oh are they are they softening up already because you, you take a, an album like i am king uh or forever and you know this is that's the sound of one of like the the hardest bands on the planet you know like it's really unfriendly and very coarse and um you understand why people could be turned off by that, but why equally people would be super into it. And then along comes underneath the album, and they've reinvented their sound in a way that still sounds like it is them, in the same way that I've commented a few times this year that, you know, Creeper's first album was like an emo punk thing, and their second album is sort of like a... Uh, it's got everything, but it still sounds authentically like them. Um, so then, with underneath, it's... I mean... This is such an exciting band. You know, they'll they'll probably not ever be one of the sort of really A-list bands like Killswitch Engage or Slipknot or something like that. But they want to be, and that's good enough. You know, because they're so intense and so unfriendly sounding that perhaps they'll they'll never they'll never be accessible to the mainstream, but that's okay because they're going to keep pushing forward like they are an A-list band. But I th- I think that's the main reason why Code Orange are as popular as they are. I think it is the fact that they are an uncomfortable band. I think it's the fact that you, they they don't need to say it, but their everything they do is is telling you that we don't want any part of that. <laughs> you know, we don't we we don't we're not interested. We're 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 doing this, and no one else does it. And fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and no one does it better than them either. The thing is, like, musically, absolutely everything you said there is totally true. But in the interviews, like, with uh, with Jamie and Reba especially, you can you can see they have aspirations of becoming, like, you know, a Slipknot or something like that, um, in, which I think they should aim for. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if they aim big, why would you not imagine, you know... Code Orange thrown down, swallowing the rabbit hole and sulfur surrounding, um, in a place like uh, the Wembley Arena. <sighs> yeah, Bruh. yeah, like that. That would be that would be awesome. But then also, let's let's bear in mind, like Slipknot didn't want anything to do with the mainstream, 
and they're possibly one of the most mainstream now that you know that they, they, they changed the game and i think yeah. when code orange talk about that in interviews and stuff as as people they're, they're not they're not they're not as chaotic and let's say i mean you listen to sit not in early interviews and you think you're an idiot but you know it is funny um uh, <laughs> But these these guys, they're smart guys. You know, they they know what they're doing. But I think they've done it in a way that they're just like we we don't want any we don't want to be the big band if this is what the big band is. We're showing you what the big band should be, and I'd I'd love to see them succeed. And that they are well, they have succeeded in in my eyes with this record, to be honest, which is why it's my number four. Um, with that, I think tracks like Last Ones Left, especially really do a lot for me like uh like a real big old big dick breakdown like i was like fuck you know back inside the glass um sulfur surrounding i wasn't overly keen on but then i feel like that has kind of the same vibe as the title track well the fact that they've even tried to do like being melodic this time you know you take sulfur surrounding awesome carbine and underneath and you go oh they can do that kind of scary grunge thing too i mean there's obviously a lot of um nine inch nails meets house and chains kind of influence in there and those yeah. are two bands i have a million billion years for so amazing so that that really ticks the boxes for you then did it? it it does it does i mean this is see metal as a genre is constantly in danger of, of stagnation and repetition and getting too uh, bogged down in its cliches and in its hero worship, you know, for, like the the big example for me is actually somewhat ironically by their music system of a down. You know, for instance, what are they doing headlining Download Festival this year? Or I mean, it didn't happen, but you know, they were going to because they haven't released a new song in fifteen years apart from a couple of weeks ago. But no one, no one knew about that at the time. They've released no music in the past fifteen years. They've been like, oh, maybe we're going to. They're obviously not that into it, and somehow they're headlining one of the big festivals when really an architect to bring me the horizon, something like that, should should really be in that spot. So then along comes Code Orange, and they're, I've sort of described them as like nightmare industrial, or like digital hardcore, because there's, there's so much stuff in there that isn't normally in there, and then they come out with this which is kind of like a little bit of a like no other metal album sounds like it it's a bit of a reworking of the genre and in 2020 this is what metal could and should and does by the existence of the album sound like yeah you know i'm glad that no other band sounds like them and i hope other bands are interested in doing that i mean again imagine a lineup that is you know headlined by code orange and supported by something like loathe you know though that that almost makes sense in like an intuitive sense sure sure i, th- I think um i think going back to the, the the hero worship thing i'm definitely on the same page with you there um which is why i've never bought a ticket to download um it's <laughs> you know Fair. it's not my not my cup there's some great bands there don't get me wrong um but f- f- you know, if I want to see a headline slot, like that's why I go to Bloodstock. You know, because they give those bands that that opportunity if they want it, um, which is great. Um, I think Code Orange is a. I mean, from their live streams this year, 
I, I think they could do more than a headline set. I think they could start something entirely different. I, you know, especially I, I mean, with this I hope record they do. in their arsenal, I think I think they could do something, you know, dangerous and introduce that kind of realness of heavy music, like this new generation of it. And I think that's why it's. I said it's one of the most important releases of the year. It's a shame that it's this year that it's happened. Yeah. Um, however, I think this record's probably going to last them at least two more years not that they might not be writing already but i think this has got and this has got a lot of touring length to it you know as you say imagine it's one of the whole live jesus christ like i think there's going to be more of a death toll from swallowing the rabbit hole than there has been this year (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I mean i've I've, I've, I've got this in my notes here that you know when when that and i'm swallowing the rabbit hole thing happens that's it Body count, we're done. Rip, everyone. <laughs> Game over. Everybody go home. Fuck off. <laughs> if, if, if you can go home, you know, if you're not already dead. Um, <laughs> In a stretch, and yeah. <laughs> exactly that. I mean, this is this is actually the band I've written the most notes for on this because, like, it's, it's such a, a fascinating, detailed, layered, and often non-musical album. I mean, this is a band who are doing sound design to degrees that we don't normally talk about. I mean, there are so many non-musical sounds we're talking glass breaking or certain glitchy this is and that's and sound design has more to do with cinema and storytelling than it does to do with music but there is in that same way a level of craft and precision despite the chaos this this album does spew forth this there's a level of craft and precision here that we normally reserve for commentary for bands like tool or mastodon yeah yeah i i i completely agree it's, it's almost like a like prog iOS two, <laughs> you know. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. got that there for sure. Um, just for timing, um, we should probably move on to number three, right? Uh, yep, yep. Which yep. is uh, Countless Skies with their second album, Glow. Like, I these guys are no means as big as a lot of the bands we've mentioned today, um, but they're my friends um ross from countless guys was the last guest um on the podcast um but despite these guys being my friends the reason this is you know number three is because i i have a genuine sentimental like connection to this music um i'm very very interested in hearing what you have to say about it as someone that doesn't have that kind of you know initial connection to it and listening it with fresh ears what did you think uh, I think it's one of the best albums I've heard this year. Fantastic. That's so good to hear. Like, um, what did you love about it? Well, uh, first of all, uh, I, I often get Countless Skies confused with uh, Shattered Skies because they're both the two excellent bands um, with similar kind of names. Um, so I thought I'd already heard this, but it turns out, no, I hadn't. So then I, I gave it a listen when you sent it me on the, on the Spotify playlist. Because um, I remember trying to do a show with them last year, actually. Because uh, they're from they're from Hertfordshire, aren't they? Or Bedfordshire, something like that. Yeah, both. So like not very far away. So I've um you know I- I'm certainly keen to do a show with them at some point in the future because you know you and I deal very frequently with you know bands at the local and up and coming level. Like sure we've spoken about you know Bring Me the Horizon and Code Orange today, but you know 
we all, we more frequently probably deal with bands who are mates of ours or mates of friends of ours um and most most albums this year don't sound this good you know it is yeah. very progressive it's epic and it's it's cinematic as well which is a thing i i often come back to having listened to this and it's it's not it's not masturbatory, you know? It's very textured, it's very shimmery, and it sounds incredibly expensive, you know? Like, and again, when I think about songs by bands, when I think about albums by bands, I think, would I be as into this if another band I didn't like, or did like, um, came out with this? And, let's not lie, if Devon Townsend came out with this album, all, all the, you know, Metal Hammer, all the publications would be, it's done. This is the number one metal album of the year. Yeah. If it isn't underneath. Yeah, I, I, I like the only yeah. reason the only reason it's not in my top ten albums is because it, I've not heard it very much, and I don't think it'd be fair on the other albums that have had like a bit more time. And I don't want to just put it in there because it's new and exciting. I want to make sure that's like my sincere opinion. But in terms of what I've heard, it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Like it, when I was when I was with them at, um, at Bloodstock. Um, the last one, I think. Um, they played some of the tracks like Moon off of this album, and you know, I I was side of stage watching this, and I was just like, this is gonna, this is gonna be huge. And uh, you know, I'm telling you now, the reception they've had for this album is it's been more than positive. Um, Rightly so. Like it's it's great, right? It's just so good. It's it's progressive, it's melodic, and it's also like really heavier points. Um, I think it's got so much variety to it. I think they've absolutely hit the nail on the head with this. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's hard to like put it in a box, which I think is a good thing in and of itself. Because um, it, yeah, it does make me think of like melodic death metal, but equally, it does have more in common with like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and sort of Dragon Force when they're not being memers, you know, than it does <laughs> with say tomb mold or something like that it's it reminds me very strongly of like devon townsend and opeth when they've both indulged in their most melodic and in their most heavy stuff yeah totally i i, I completely agree and i think the devon influence in this um it's if, if anyone really wants to hear the detail on this record um from ross uh the frontman himself um go check out the last episode but um yeah i think the devon influence on this record is huge and i think that's, it is i mean that's, that's such was, a yep. like it's not pigeonholing them at all because to be influenced by devin townsend is like a writer being influenced by the dictionary <laughs> like it, it's got well, everything. i mean being being influenced by devin townsend is like saying you're influenced by music yeah <laughs> oh that made me really laugh but you're absolutely good right. <laughs> oh man that's that's a great way I mean, to he, end that bit. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's he, you know that bloke's a drummer onto himself, really. And the 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 good thing about this album, I think, he, more than with any of the other albums on this list or on my list or or on any other list, is that you know Tempest, the the first song, the album opener. What a strong mission statement! Like you know, if you're gonna like or dislike this album by whether or not you enjoy that song, like. If, if if you don't like Tempest, you're not going to enjoy the rest of the album. Get get out, you know. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> you're drunk. Exactly. 
is 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 so good. And Moon, which you referenced a minute ago, it, it weirdly makes me think of Avengers Sevenfold. I don't know why. I don't know if they want that comparison. I love Avengers Sevenfold, so whatever. I mean it in the best possible way. Because I was thinking, like, if Avengers Sevenfold came out with this song, would I think it was great? Yes. Therefore, this song is, uh, you know, excellent. It's... <sighs> Bands don't sound this good. Yeah, I, it I mean, shouldn't sound you, this good, but you it know, does. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and especially from like a band that is like, you know, kind of semi-local. They're 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 you know, way bigger than when I first met these guys, which is all well and well deserved. But you know, this is still like, you know, my mates, you know? And it's it's still quite bizarre for me listening to this album and just going, My friends did this because this is truly fucking bonkers and how good it is it is i mean it's again it is it's got an epic and cinematic quality which you know a band 10 15 years into their career may just hit now kind of thing yeah yeah you know like when devon Dazen came out with um empath or even uh the one before that which is transcendence you go, oh, this is, this is, like, do you ever, maybe you don't, but do you ever listen to a, a band and think, I could never do that? Like, <laughs> I'm not musical. So, you know, there, are, you know, I might listen to, like, The White Stripes and go, if I were a little bit more musical, I could probably do that. With this, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. And, you know, I, I, I play a lot of, I play a lot of stuff. And this, I'm mm. like, you know, when, um, you know, with Count the Skies, before they released this, their last album, New Dawn, I had to play a lot of those lives track, uh, those tracks live with them because I filled in on drums for them for a while, um, for six months. And it was, it was difficult to learn those songs. Whereas when I listen to these songs and I'm like, I, I can't do that. I can't, I, it's, it's incredible. It's the musicianship is fucking flawless it is it so is and also ambitious as well to end an album with a 20 minute song and um as actually ross said on on your podcast by the way the vocals on this guy my god um right as he said on on the last episode um it is it is smart to have split that last song up into three bits because 20 minutes is daunting and it may not get the the spins it needs to end up on the Spotify playlist. So from a social media perspective, it is box clever to split up a song like that in ways that works um, and make it a bit more um, digestible. You know, totally. I, th- I think that's I think it's great. Fantastic. Okay, so we're finally in the top two. Um, so this record, um, this record was really good. I really, 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 really like this record. Um, it's by a Scottish band called Bleed From Within, and the album is called Fracture. I kind of see it as like their second album in this new reiteration of Bleed From Within um, after the comeback. Like I know it's a weird way to look at it, but I, I definitely see it in that way. Um, not to I mean, dis- I think that's about right. Not to discredit Colony or anything, but this is this is a new beast. Um, especially with some of the fucking guitar work on this album. Actually, not just guitar work. 
everything, all of it. Vocal performance, the drumming, the guitars, the songwriting, the choruses, I have thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I think definitely with the lead single, The End of All We Know, being such a big hit worldwide in metal, um, it definitely set a tone and big expectations for this album, and I think they definitely succeeded with that. Um, I think with Bleed From Within, they are possibly my go-to when anybody says, well, there aren't any good new modern metal bands, and I'm just like, listen to Bleed From Within, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the last album was called Era, right? Yeah. Um, that was massive, because I actually not really heard much from Bleed From Within before then, so in a sense, my experience of them is kind of like since they've come back. That's good. Um, yeah, and the thing that, uh, across both of those albums, so it's just what they sound like, um, is that they really sound like Parkway Drive to me, um, which I am not complaining about at all. Um, but it, you know, they really sound like Parkway Drive to me, but like a bit edgier, you know, a bit, a bit harder. Like they're, like they're more into making their heaviness more bruising. Whereas it, with Ire and Reverence, for example, Parkway Drive's albums, um, they were clearly a band more interested, well, very interested in headlining festivals and playing massive venues and doing these anthemic choruses and all that is fine and great and I think those two albums are fantastic but when it comes to something like Era or Fracture we're talking about a band who sound like kind of like a hurricane made of fists carrying bricks you know this <laughs> album is granite it is so hard and it never lets up for a minute it is coarse it is gritty all the way through and I have a lot of time for that I wish more bands sounded like this but at the same time I'm pleased only they sound like this. Yeah, t- totally on board, on board with that. We don't have to expand on that too much because I feel like this album is uh, definitely like, there's not a lot to it, but at the same time, it's huge. Like, you know, as you say, it's, it's just solid. It's it's granite, uh, like, but it's still got some variety on it. I think the one that stood out for me in, in different ways was... Uh, the one that seemed different to the other tracks was uh, the title track, Fracture. It's quite quiet, uh-huh. quite ambient, quite creepy. And um, I was very surprised it was a single, for sure. Um, but it it still went hard uh, towards the end. Um, I think tracks like Into Nothing, uh, Pathfinder, um, even the track with Matt Heafy on it from Trivium, Night Crossing. How good is it that they can do a song with Matt Heafy now? But I love how they were like, yeah, it's got Matt Heafy in it, but he's not singing. We're going to get him to play guitar because he's our bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this little band from Scotland as well. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine getting Matt Heafy's time and going, no, we just want you to play guitar, mate. (laughs) (laughs) It's mad, but it's it's good, you know, because it means they're not letting that guest feature um, overshadow the thing that they are doing yeah this is like this again this isn't a band i've heard actually very much um by but i'm i'm certainly interested to hear more from them and for a band this massive sounding this hard to be coming out of of the uk as well you know because in the united states they got loads of these you know they got pantera they got white chapel they got lamb of god and we've got both my valentine and bring me the horizon as the really big ones but then you come out with a, um, a, a, a Bury Tomorrow or a this, a, a, um, a Bleed From Within. And you go, the future of 
metal in the UK is more safe than people think it is. Yeah, I just think people look in the wrong places for it. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think it's definitely safe. It's, we've got some fucking great bands, and I think we do have that um, that kind of a bit of a dark edge to us, um, I think, uh, with a lot of the bands that come out that are, like, this powerful. And I think the word powerful definitely resonates with Fracture. Um, totally applies, yeah. For sure. I mean, one of my favourite songs of the year... Um, is on this album and it's not even a single um, it's not even one of the most popular songs on the album um, but we'll get onto that later but have you got any other notes on, on this record anything you really liked about it anything you didn't like um, I can't really add very much more it's just a band doing their thing really well really really hard and um, yeah it sounds like Parkway Drive but they've chosen to go in like a, a more bruising direction so that's that's all from me on that fair play fair play um all right, so number one, the fucking my yeah, <laughs> blast beats for please. Imagine that, just like an award ceremony, but not drum rolls, just blast beats please. Like um, yes, <laughs> that is to be done. Um, it is uh, the sinner by a relatively new band called Kill the Lights. Um, I want to talk about this for for a le- for a little while because. I think, you know, not only does it include one of my favourite drummers of all time, my probably my most influential drummer as, as myself as a drummer, like growing up listening to this guy play in who is still my favourite band, Bullet for My Valentine. Uh, since leaving, I was kind of gutted. He was not lo- no longer in the band. He got replaced with um, a, a very good drummer. Um, but it's, it's Moose and he started a new band called Kill the Lights and this fucking band's got members from Threat Signal, fucking, uh, what's the other bands? Um, Still Remains, um, and now it's got fucking Chris Clancy in it. He's a mutiny from within and wearing scars fame. And this band and this album is just fantastic. It's everything I love about metal. It's got the heavy fucking blast beat side things to it. It's got the commercial butt rock choruses on some of them it's got the ballads it's like they've got all their influences over the past maybe 50 years of heavy metal and crammed it into this record that's not a short record it's it's a real good length um and i just think it's fantastic it genuinely blew me away how good this record is as a debut album it's a shame that it's come out this year um for them trying to start off partially because a lot of the band is american um so they're unable to like gig together unless they are consistently touring um but this album's fucking fantastic like it's great and i'm kind of interested to see what you think about it matas um i didn't know who the people in the band were so you've that's that's your first time hearing who's in the band uh yeah oh shit yeah and a lot of what i was gonna say was kind of going to be related to Bullet For My Valentine kind of anyway um, because this as a debut album is so strong you know like bands don't often come out with debut albums this strong and you know it's it's the same kind of um, uh, certainty in this new vision that we just commented on that um countless skies have you know there's a band who've gone oh and we know what we're doing like we know what we want of this you know and it's got 
so much uh, that I like about kind of classic heavy metal and about modern uh, heavy metal too. You know, it's got, as you say, it's got those choruses that, you, you know, you take a metalhead from the from the 70s or the 80s, listen to this, the, you know, sort of Judas Priest kind of fan. They're going to listen to this and think, this is wicked, you know. It's got a very kind of traditional metal feel to it with some thrashy elements, but a very modern uh, production, and they, they know their way around a chorus, and they know their way around an intro. I mean, the whole album starts with um, spoken word bit from, from Winston Churchill, and, you know, that can be a bit a bit hammy, but it, it works, you know? Just this whole album works, and I, I remember thinking all throughout this, especially on songs like The Faceless, uh, Plagues, and The Enemy, I was thinking, I kind of wish Bullet Five Valentine were doing more of this. Like, I love Bullet, not as much as you do, um, <laughs> but I, I really do, to the degree that I'm like, no, Venom is a great album, and yeah. I'm willing to die on this hill. Um, so, but then, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in love with Gravity, and I think if they committed more to this sort of high traditional metal thing with some thrashy elements and really big hooks um because i think i think there were barely any guitar solos on gravity um but they're one of the bands that i would accept a decent amount of guitar solos from um so this album is great it's a great debut and i totally understand why it's your number one in fact i believe you did a review of it didn't you i did i did and they the band themselves were quite keen on it um jordan uh, who's in Still Remains and plays guitar in Kill the Lights uh, had messaged me, you know, ab- about it and, you know, which is incredibly humbling. Um, but this is truly like, a, a, like a, almost like a hidden gem. It's kind of gone under the radar because I don't think it does hit those kind of like cool, trendy vibes that the kids are listening to nowadays. But I don't, th- th- that's not what they went for. But the fact that it has gotten out as much as it has, I think is is brilliant. I think going back to the bullet side of things, I think when, and partially to the reason why I think Moose left and why he has touched on a a few things, because he's always been a metal guy and he wanted to play heavy metal and bullet being around for as long as they had, they kind of done all, they kind of done everything, right? Like they they were like, let's do different stuff. And you know, some people don't want to do the different stuff and they might go back to it. I think Matt Tuck was hinting the other day that, the album that they're currently working on is 60% harsh vocals and 40% cleans, and they're going back to like a, a proper heavy sound, which which is cool. Um, but I, when I spoke to Moose at the Heavy Music Awards, um, it was like talking to a guy my age being excited about um, like his first band. Like Moose, he just said, I've never been more excited about putting music out than he was and that put a smile on my face because I knew it came from a genuine place um, yeah and I think that's a really beautiful thing so I think I had a lot of knowledge going up to the release of this um, and when after all the singles had been released I think there was about five singles it was a lot of singles um, <laughs> I totally missed all of those like there was uh, so the faceless was the first one then it was watch you fall then it was like plague shed my skin and I think there might have been, yeah, um, Through the Night, so, uh, which I think is a great track, um, really good anthem there. Um, but there, there literally isn't a, a song on this album that I dislike. 
I think I think they're all very strong uh, standalone tracks, let alone a fucking album being this solid. Um, you know, uh, I think with with this, this is the intention they went forward with, and the result has been more than more than what I was expecting, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah exactly that. Like, this is what I'm saying about the debut being this strong. You know the there's there's very little if any waste on this album you know like we've commented on you know uh trivium and other bands today where we've gone well we didn't love this song as much so you imagine that that album would be stronger minus that song or, or that song but on this one you know no no song goes to waste and there's barely a wasted second in any of the songs so in that respect it kind of makes me think of, and this is going to be a weird one, it reminds me of Discarnate. Oh, the, the band Discarnate? Yeah. Yeah, they they had, um, what's the album with the dude with a hammer on the front of it? Uh, with all their might. Like, that is, that is a strong record. That, that is, is an excellent record. I mean, when that came out in 2017, I was like, this is, like, I heard it like one second then, I'm like, this is one of the best albums of this year, and it's one of the best metal albums I've heard in a while, it's one of my favourite death metal albums, and the reason that's so great is because every song is like three, maybe four minutes long, apart from a couple of them, and when the song's done, it's done, next song. You know, there's no long fade out, there's no sort of long guitar solo at the end to kind of see us off, no, once the song's done, the song's done, and this band have a similar kind of sensibility to them no song overstays it's welcome and no track is unwelcome in that um set list absolutely absolutely and i can't wait to see these guys live these so the kill the lights are doing a i think it's in february with ground culture support um, oh man so i'm definitely going to get there i think they're playing like a tiny uh tiny venue in bristol whereas where I, whereas i'm at now i'll send you the details for it because i think it'd definitely be worth going to go see this band um, that'd be sick. I mean, fingers crossed for February. Um, but yeah, um, anything more to touch on the sinner? But we've pretty much sucked its dick um, for the past ten minutes. I, I would say uh, not much to add to that other than I think this probably would be among my top albums of the year. But again, I've only very recently come to them, and there are other bands, other albums that have come out this year that I've had more time with. Um, I'm like if this if I listen to this from the day it came out, yeah, this is probably quite comfortably in my top ten. Nice. Um, but it's it's just it's a bit newer to me, and I want to kind of spend a bit more time with it before I kind of bring the gavel down on it in that way. Nice. I think I think that's a good way to look at it, and I think it is an album you have to spend time with uh, for sure. Yeah. Nice. Okay, wow, what a list, what a list. Um, thank, thank you to everyone that's stayed with us this long. It's been a, it's been a nice chat discussing some of the fucking amazing albums that released in possibly the worst year of our lives. Um, <laughs> and, and and this is exactly the thing. Like, it's been a great year for music, despite you know, despite the year, despite the complete absence of gigging. What a year for tunes. Totally, man. Totally, and. Yeah, I think that's why I wanted to do this and sit down and chat with someone that I know has an equal like passion for like releases and new music. Yeah. Um, because anyone that might be listening to this that think, oh fuck, that sounds like something I could go check out. 
they can go check it out, you know, if they haven't done already. I think we've, we've become quite lazy with all this uh, stuff being accessible to us all the time. Because with it being accessible to us all the time, people tend to not listen and listen to the same fucking 10 songs that they've had in their phone for the past five years, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, and like, that, that is the, the kind of the scourge of DJs across the country. I mean, um, you know, a couple of my friends, um, Alex Holcomb and Husband Taylor, both of whom are excellent DJs, you know, they want to play the new this or the new that, but then people at the, at the clubs and whatever want to hear, you know, either Chop Suey, because it's familiar, or they want to hear Yaya Ding Dong, because it's funny. <laughs> I, I, I still think Yaya Ding Dong goes harder than Chop Suey. Just, just <laughs> but not as hard as Hyper Hyper. Oh, fucking hell, mate. I was surprised that wasn't in your... Um, well... I mean, yes, it couldn't be an album, but I'm, I was surprised that wasn't in your list, anyway. Uh, not the EP. Um, I think the song is very strong, and um, now that I think about it, it's definitely um, in my top five songs. So I'll have to kick out uh, something. Tell you what, I'll do my top six songs. <laughs> but, Bam! Um, top six, six, six. But the, but the EP um, is, you know, it's it's okay. There's some good tracks on it, <laughs> but you know, I think Hyper Hyper is a standalone was. It was great. So um, my top five songs of the year, uh, oh, well, I'll start off with number six then, which is okay. uh, Ascend by Bleed From Within off the record Fracture. I thought it's got a really bouncy riff, but I think the chorus, like, I watched the sun drain through the cracks in the sky, just really, like, goosebumpy, like, uh. you know. Number four was uh, Five by Three, uh, A Pot of Burning Body off the Built From War EP. Um, again, fun, good topic, really bouncy, really party metal kind of, you know, vibes. Um, number three would be Hyper Hyper by Eskimo Callboy. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's, it's de- definitely the most fun thing that's been released this year. I think we all needed that. Um, mm. We didn't know we needed it, but Eskimo Callboy did. Some <laughs> some German lads thought, yeah, everyone needs this right now, you know. Um, <laughs> and then we did oh fuck yeah still still bang it on every now and then um so number what am i on now so that was six five four uh number three would be uh swallowing the rabbit hole by code orange which we've spoken about enough in this episode (laughs) it's a very good song oh yeah those who didn't listen is it it's a very good song um (laughs) uh number two is plagues by kill the lights um, just a great fucking track from a great fucking record. Uh, my favourite record of the year, in fact. And number one is Locked in My Head by Fit for a King, um, which I did touch on earlier as well. What was what was your mm-hmm. top five, my friend? What was that? What was your top five songs, my friend? Okay, like, making the top five songs of this year has actually been the most difficult bit of my kind of note-taking bit. Um, I thought, well, Swallowing the Rabbit Hole is in my top five songs but I thought I'd kick it out of my top five because I figure it's in your one and we've kind of already covered that both as a song and as part of an album enough anyway um so my number five um this is a super mixed top five as well but I'm very pleased with it um is uh Evo or Everway uh by Behemoth from their uh, EP The Forest that came out earlier this year oh amazing yeah that's the one with the the Cure cover on it right what's that is it a Cure it's a a cut the the song Forest is like a it's a cover by The Cure isn't it yeah it is super weird and it works so nice. I mean 
I love Behemoth, absolutely one of my favourite bands. The Satanist is my second favourite album of all time. Um, and I have a lot of time for I Love You at Your Darkest. Where do you land on Behemoth? Love them. Um, I Work like it. I like their past couple of records. I think the Satanist, rightfully so, is definitely in uh, one of my top lists. I don't know where it is, but it's that is uh, goosebump black metal at its finest. I think it's very powerful. Um, it, it is powerful is exactly the word. I mean, I love the Satanist so much that the front cover of it is my desktop wallpaper, my laptop wallpaper, and I have a T-shirt over. There you go. <laughs> Uh, well into it but with Everway which is from the the new EP and I, I didn't really put any EPs in my top list because I you know where do, you, where, where do people land on that um, but what I like about Behemoth is that it's a bright sounding song this one it's bright sounding it's thunderous it's imperious as always they are and it's got this sort of unholier than thou arena filling kind of quality to it which outside of festivals arena filling isn't really uh a uh, descriptor you apply to death metal bands very much or black metal really um and this is yeah in the same year that they supported slipknot at the o2 as well that's kind of mad um so this so you know we, we could be getting some death metal bands playing the real big stages and i i really hope so um but you know obviously yeah this one's about summoning satan or something but the thing about behemoth that they have i think on most other bands uh, the only other band that I think maybe has it similarly is either Morbid Angel or um, uh, what is that at Belfagor uh, is that they have a way of making a song about probably summoning Satan or something sound like serious and cultured and not just like they're being edgelords or like well we're doing this because it's metal and we do Satan but they make the business of evil sound like like a fundamental elemental force of the universe that they're here to 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 be the prophets of totally so everway amazing so that's number five right yep What's number that? four um and i'm surprised the album from this didn't land in your top 10 but okay um memento mori by lamb of god yeah um i haven't heard the song um yeah, i kind of really dro- i kind of dropped off with lamb of god to be honest mate um, oh man, get get this one in your ears. Because did you listen to Overlord from the last album? Uh, yes, I did. I mean, t- to be honest, mate, I find I find um, Randy as a vocalist, and he's a great vocalist. I just find it a, a bit too overperformed, a, a bit a bit too much, and I think I I I kind of lost track of it. I've got a lot of love for Sacrament, um, and. Mm. Uh, uh, Desolation as records, um, Wrath as well to a point. Um, yeah, I think it was great. But yeah, I'll go. I'll go check out that one because I know what that word means. So I'll, uh, I'll go check that one out. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a big one. But it's it's just the thing about it is that Lamb of God are one of the most reliable kind of groove kind of bands on the planet. Um, so that often doesn't leave them a lot of room for atmosphere. Um, but this is an atmospheric, creeping track that has this kind of semi-spoken word intro, and then it drops incredibly hard, like a 90-degree angle, into the song turning into a heavy one. And, you know, it, I, I imagine all of these songs live this year as well, because we haven't been able to see them live. And it's it's a gigantic song that's going to be dangerous I think when when they play it live not least because people are bursting for a show but also because it's like a new set staple I feel like it's a like an essential track I mean it's not a 2020 defining song but it's pretty good um, in my top five 
uh, in fact. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're not hot on Lamb of God, so, but we can move on to the next one, number three. Which is... Duh, 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 um, House of Dust by King810. Okay. Okay, I think I have heard this one. This is off their latest record, right? Yeah, uh, but it was released as a single much earlier this year. I think that's when I heard it. Yeah, I mean, it's... What I'm looking for in my top five is whether or not I'm instantly sold on a song, basically, and with this one, absolutely, yes. It's this kind of bluesy, kind of new metal, semi-industrial track, um... But the thing about King 810 is how real it, it all seems. You know, David Gunn's vocals and artistry overall, you know, are I think one of the most emotive, expressive, yet gritty, unconventional voices um, in modern metal. I mean, I think you can introduce pretty much anybody to King 810, and whether or not they like it, they'll go, "Oh, this is, oh, this is some, something a bit, a bit different," you know. And they manage to do songs that are brutal, and they manage to do songs that are you imagine for the artist quite painful and I think this one feels very much like a, a sleepy slack stringed kind of stripped back kind of tune that turns into like this stadium sized tribute to an old friend or a former self so I am all for it amazing amazing and I, I completely agree with the King 810 I think a lot of people don't connect with it and I understand why um, but I I'm definitely one of the people that connect with it I think it does feel very real and uh, I don't know, like I, I remember speaking to someone at Bloodstock when I was at Front Row for King 810 and a guy was just like, yeah, I think a lot of people don't want them to be here. And I was just like, I know it's weird, isn't it? And he says, yeah, people want a dangerous band all the time and you give them a fucking dangerous band and then people don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's like... Exactly that. This is what, this is what you know, manslaughter sounds like. These guys, like, I, I would not want to hang out with King 810. Like, I, <laughs> I they, they seem like, you know, the what they've been openly talking about, especially off of the first record, Memoirs of a Murderer, which I still bang on today because it is just that incredible. Um, it is great it's um yeah they are they are properly scary <laughs> so yeah props to them and for releasing an album in such a strange way as well because i really like hellhounds yeah. off that album i think that was a really good track which one hellhounds yes yeah i i almost chose that one big banger big banger really big i can't wait to hear that in the club um okay uh so that's three was it okay my number two now i don't think you will have heard this one um but if you haven't it's fun this is crime of the century by my friends and fangs of the dodo i have not heard of that band but that is a brilliant band name. it is and they're a brilliant band as well i mean anything sort of dramatic and a bit um if bands do costumes and makeup i'm in gimme you know um so you've not heard it and i imagine many of your listeners haven't heard it but i strongly do encourage you to listen to crime of the century by fangs of the dodo it's this bouncy fun catchy kind of slinky kind of a little bit silly but not silly but like it's it's kind of like it's winking at the audience a bit um and it's it's such fun and i saw i saw them play it live before it was a song before it was a single last year and i'm like i can't wait for it and they brought it out on their ep the curtain to sleep 
this year is my number two song of the year not not least because uh, Spotify Wrapped tells me that um, it's one of my most listened to songs of the year and it absolutely deserves to be I mean you imagine you listen to this song after you imagine it live there's no one in the audience that's not having a fun time it's it's this kind of sort of bluesy rock thing kind of with a bit of Queens of the Stone Age and a bit of this and that in it and it's they're hard to place but they're incredibly fun awesome that's great uh, yeah, go check that fucking song out. <laughs> Absolutely. And my number one. Now, I'd be interested to see where you land on this band. Alright. Um, according to Spotify Wrapped, my most listened to band by a very significant margin are Creeper. And the song is Born Cold, which is far and away my most listened to song of the year. And rightly so. Where do you land on Creeper? Um, I don't really know, to be honest, mate. I have listened to them. Um, it's not something I visit often. Um, but they just kind of sound like a more interesting My Chemical Romance, and I I kind of vibe that. I think that's cool. I like what yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Like, I only got listened to them this year. I've not really heard them before, and I only got listened to them this year because My Chemical Romance were going to be touring, and I thought, which band would be best suited to support them when the time comes? And a lot of people in the comments were saying, like, Creeper, so I thought, I'll check them out, and you know what? Yeah, they're this overdramatic, emo, goth, kind of scrappy punk thing but this latest album is this sort of grandiose triumphant sounding thing and it's um but in terms of the song born cold it's got so many layers and textures and it's sparkly but it's it's dark as well and it's you know it appeals very much to my sort of um kind of goth adjacent um sensibilities it's very sparkly very catchy kind of poppy is poppy but dangerous maybe is, is a way to put it and I, I love Creeper so that's my uh, number one uh, song of the year Born Cold by Creeper number two Crime of the Century by Fangs of Dodo number three House of Dust by King 810 number five Memento Mori by Lamb of God number six Everway by Behemoth and to have a cheeky number six because you had one as well <laughs> um, Eurydice by Hannah Piranha who you played with last year I believe I did yeah yeah they were quite cool yeah, um, so basically Hannah Prana is a, a sort of witchy, gypsy, punk, goth folk band. Um, but she released like a harp album this year. Mm. Yeah, because just just because why not? Uh, just leave some talent for the rest of us, please. <laughs> um, and she released this harp album and it's uh, an album kind of based on a story that she's written. So she's also written a book this year. Um, and it's a it's a kind of a fairly Orphidian tale, if you like, of um, someone who's someone who has to retrieve their lover from the underworld, and a princess has to go and do that. Um, so this song Eurydice is kind of about that Orpheus and Eurydice kind of Greek thing, and it's very textured and very luscious, but it's stripped back and it's vulnerable and it's um, fun. I don't know if it's like your thing necessarily, but as I said with Creeper, there's the goth overdramatic kind of thing about it, and I'm well into that. Nice. Awesome. Wow. What a fucking wholesome way to round off the year. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what are, what are you looking forward to in 2021? Um, well, okay, so it's for 2021. Um, perhaps, perhaps I should pose this to you more in the form of a sort of quickfire questions kind of thing. So, do you think festival season 2021 is happening? Uh, uh, 50-50. Yeah, same here. Um, are you going to see Thy Art is Murder, Malevolence, King 810, Alpha Wolf and Orbit Culture in December next year? Uh, most likely. <laughs> oh yeah, 
I am all for that. Um, Are you going to go see Behemoth, Arch Enemy, Carcass and Unto Others in October next year? Most likely. I mean, to be honest, mate, next year, once gigs are back open, I'm I'm, I'm booking everything. Oh, yeah. I I, am craving it. Absolutely. Uh, I mean... Thy Art is Murder, I'm all for it, because I saw them last year at Parkway Drive, but... Um, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was such a show, but the thing is, I only got the last three songs, uh, no. because we were outside in the cold waiting for ages, so I've been waiting for their kind of headline thing, I wasn't that into the headline tour they did earlier this year, um, but then, you come out with King 810 and Alpha Wolf, bruh. And Malevolence. Yeah, I, mean, I know you have a lot of time for malevolence. I've not heard them that much, but I've heard a couple of songs. Massive. And have you heard Orbit Culture? Yeah, I think they're quite cool. They are so cool. They're like melodic death metal, but if James Hetfield was on vocals. There you go. Yeah, I've like, heard the Metallica comparison quite quite a lot, which is which is very fucking cool. But um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to gigs next year, mate. Playing them gigs and going to as them. a concept, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to Dark is Murder, Behemoth. Um, I'm looking forward to Architects when they get back on tour. Yeah. Um, as I hope they do. Um, and I'm looking forward to the return of a little local festival called Pick It Up Festival, which our friend Sophie did as a big ska punk thing. And she did so well this year. And, you know, I've, I have a lot of musical diversity in me, I think. I mean, the same list that has... Um, you know, Behemoth and Creeper in it could e- equally feature a band like Millie Manders and the Shut Up or Risky and the Ridicule. Um, so I'm looking forward to festivals coming back and I'm looking forward to seeing Creeper on March the 19th, 2021, if that happens. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. And yeah, big up, so absolute legend. Um, really well done, her. All right, fantastic. Well, mate, it's been absolutely lovely chatting with you today. Um, oh, and one more thing. Sorry, one more yeah, thing. And I'm right. looking forward to more releases from our friends in Shoot to Kill. Hey, yeah, shout out Dan Weathers, shoot to kill. Old Dan Weathers. Hell yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll just rewind. Uh, Yeah, it's been really lovely chatting with you today. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, thank you for taking the time and working on this episode with me. I think think, uh, the listener has been fully, fully... um, pleased with what we've said um so yeah even if you're not fuck you so that's fine yeah <laughs> absolutely i've had a wicked time on this thanks for asking me to come back for the show and having me for this long yeah mate <laughs> absolutely brilliant right that's the end of the episode ladies and gents see you next episode Bye bye <laughs>